Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Well, hello, everybody. Looking forward to this session. I have Matt Chandler from North Carolina here. He runs the number one sales team in a 5,000 member organization here in America. He's number one, his district, which means those guys got to make the money and do pretty well with the customers. So I'm looking forward to hearing about his story. But but before we do that, I want to introduce him um, and a little bit more than just being from North Carolina. He's got a bride whose name is Amy, and then three beautiful princesses, all with a name that starts with H. We have Hayden and Hensley and Hadley, and I'm sure they've got him wrapped right around their finger. I've got just boys in my life, grandboys and and sons, and, and maybe it's because I don't have the control that he has uh, if, if somebody hurt him. But anyway, he, I, I just wish I had a girl and And he's got three along with his bride. He has been working for his company for six years and is doing really good. So I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. And thank you, Matt, for the time that you're you're giving to it. I'm hopeful that the things that we talk about will help, especially new sales leaders in any industry, learn how to lead people. So thanks a lot, Matt. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we uh, run back to the beginning, even before where you are now, because when you sent me the information about yourself, it was really interesting to find out that you had not been in sales previous to this job, that you had, well, I think I'm going to have you talk to them rather, rather than me spill it out here. So why don't you share with them what you were doing for 10 years before you became a sales guy? Um, so I worked for Guilford County Schools for 10 years. Um, my mom was the administrator of staff in there. My sister worked there um, in the maintenance department. And two of my aunts worked there. So, like, the whole family was part of the school system. And I ended up getting a really good job in the print shop where we, uh, we did all the printing for the school system. And I enjoyed it. It was uh, very laid back. So I had a lot of downtime. But once I had one kid, I was ready to have another daughter. And wife, she taught special needs for 13 years. And she said, if if you want to have another one, she's like, I'm happy with one. But if you want to have another one, you're going to have to go somewhere and make a little bit more money because I'm not going to work to pay somebody else to raise my kids because daycare is so expensive. So that's what brought me here. Well, it sounds like you you had an agreement. If you're going to have another daughter, that meant you had to find a job that paid more. I was willing to do whatever it took. <laughs> well, I could have something to do with what you're doing now and how well you're doing. So how did you find a sales job? You know, obviously you'd been in printing and, you know, the first thought would be that you would move toward working as your own entrepreneur or doing something that would produce more in that industry. But how come sales? How did that happen? So my best friend had been here for a couple months and he was just telling me about, you know, the type of money that was being made here and he liked the environment and Andrew Stone, which is a rep that's been here ever since there weren't smartphones around. Um, <laughs> was, uh, another one of my good friends, we had played golf. I known him before he started selling phones. So I've known him a long time. So I just got to ask him questions and he was very open with me about what the bottom tier reps make, what the mid tier reps make, and then what the high volume reps make. So, 
I figured I'd give it a spin and my parents were actually a little apprehensive about it because they're like, you're too laid back to, you know, get into sales. Like, you sure you want to do this? And it was kind of, I was scared because this job's a hundred percent commission. So, but knowing two people that worked here kind of helped me. And, uh, I came in with the interview with a lot of questions and they got answered. So here I am today. Well, I looked at the personality assessment that you took prior to our conversation. And actually, you have some pieces of your DNA that are aligned with doing this type of job. So being in the print shop wasn't exactly you. Yeah, there were some pieces in your DNA that lined up with that, but you could move to this job. So here you are deciding to move into the wireless world of sales, and which is a pretty high octane job. You know, it's it's 50 to 100 customers or so, depending on how well you're doing a month and just starting all over again, kind of like a greyhound, just running really fast and then running really fast the next month and over and over again. So what was your transition like in moving into a sales job? It was very eye-opening dealing with people every day because, you know, in the print shop, you get an order and you fill it. And I was in there with three to four other people every day. So, uh, yeah, it's completely 180, you know, going from a laid back job to dealing with technology. I wasn't very good with phones. Like I wasn't the phone guy. And um, so I had to learn, not only did I have to learn people, but I had to learn the phones and learn the product as well. So. Yeah. You had to learn the phones, learn dealing with a lot of people over a short period of time. And then there was sales, just the idea of selling every day instead of filling an order in the print shop. So how fast did you ramp up? Um, Actually, I had a pretty good first month, which surprised me, surprised everybody around. And then, um, I mean, it wasn't huge, but, you know, I made double what I was making with the school system my first month. That was eye opening. And knowing a lot of people, that kind of helps. But making sure they buy from you, that was the that was the biggest uh, that was the biggest thing for me to learn at first. But it was it was complete 180 from what I was used to. It was kind of cool because with the school system, you know, you work with people that are making the same thing as you. You know, you might work with somebody lazy that doesn't do half the work you do, but they're getting the same paycheck as you. That was the biggest thing I noticed here. You get paid for what you do. That's what really pushed me because the people that work the hardest make the most money and how it should be. And that, that was my that was the thing that really drove me here once I got here. Hmm. So you did really good the first month. Did you do good the first quarter or the first six months? I mean, what, what was your whole? Yeah, I was steady. I was nowhere near where I am now, but I was uh, I was steadily like a mid-tier rep when I started out. Luckily, I had a lot of great leaders around me. People helped me become what I am today. So you sit around and you watch people that make money, um, and it's like, what are they doing that the other mid-tier reps aren't doing? So, you know, just taking pieces here and there and adding it all up is figuring out the puzzle was the big thing. Were you a gradual work in progress or did something happen that you just jumped and did a lot better? Which was it? Something that happened that really changed the whole thing for you or you were a gradual work in progress? I was a gradual work in progress. Okay. Um, And not everybody is, but yet it took me a little bit to, you know, figure it out. Okay. Um, The main thing is, you know, just treating everybody like mom, 
you got a young lady in front of you, treat her like your sister. I'm not sure everybody does that. <laughs> yeah. The people that do get repeat business. And well, that's, that's the number thing. That's the number one thing with this company and in, in sales is getting repeat business. Yeah. Not just what walks in the door. Yeah. I've been hearing you echo that underneath what you've been saying, because I was going to ask you, do you see yourself more as a hunter? You know, somebody who's just banging the phones and the public and getting out there and finding new people to sell to, or more of a, what I might call an extreme farmer type that uh, just continues to develop a group of people who buy from you over and over again. Are you a mixture? I'm a hundred percent a farmer. Okay. Um, I still try to get the most out of everything in front of me, obviously, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely a farmer. Long-term means way more than me than what's in front of me today. So how many people do you think buy from you that you would uh, consider advocates that buy from you over and over and over again now, the six years you've been in the business? If you were going 40%. 40%? To, yeah, about 40% of my sales. You have any idea what that number of people are out there that are advocates for you? I do not, but a lot of my business is referrals. And okay. when people refer you and say, you got to go see this guy, that makes you want to give them even more than what you gave the person that referred you. And that's a big thing here. So my guess is your first month, you did pretty well, certainly double what you did in the print shop. But, well, no but to it. As time progressed, you were a work in progress. You kept getting better and better. You had more repeat business. And are you beyond where you were in that first month now in sales per month? Oh, yeah. I, the, the first customer that I ever sold a phone to, my very first customer, she saved in my phone as, I'm not going to say her name, but first customer. And uh, <laughs> I, I still sell her, her family, and her friends' phones. Yeah. And, and when she sat down in front of me, I didn't halfway know how to work the system. And we had a good, we got a good training uh, process here. And it takes, a, you know, a month to get trained. But I kind of learned on my own. So I didn't really learn until I got out on the floor and was by myself and pretty much had to do it rather than someone saying, click this button, click that button. So the first sale took a whole lot longer than they take now. <laughs> and uh, the fact that I still have her is pretty cool. And one thing that I did when I started here is um, I would write thank you cards and send them out to customers. And actually the thing that got her is I put a $2 bill in hers and I did that a while for probably the first year I was here until I got into leadership. And anytime I had a real good transaction with a customer where, you know, we, we hit it off, I would try to throw a $2 bill in the thank you card. And, and you know, that small gesture made a difference. It cost me quite a bit of money and I've stopped doing it now, but, uh, I, I thought about it uh, over the holidays and maybe getting back into that. Wow. You did. There's a couple of things there. First of all, you, you wrote notes to people after the sale. And then secondly, you put a $2 bill in there, which certainly caused them to remember you a little bit stronger than had it just been a note. But I think the note was like way out there relative to the kind of service that we get today at other places. So before we even get into leadership, help me out with, who you are as a sales guy, how do, you, how do you develop customers for life this way? I mean, obviously the note is one thing and, and you 
put your name and number into their phone. I heard that. And then I heard the, the $2 bill thing. But what else do you do? Because these things you're going to share with me, I would assume you would also teach your reps to do. So what have you done to develop repeat business and loyalty this way? There are a lot of businesses that would love to know how to have repeat business and loyalty, especially how to have reps that can do certain things that cause that to happen. So help me out with that, Matt. Number one is attitude. Obviously, if you go into a store and you deal with somebody that's just blah, I mean, you're not going to have an experience. You're not going to care if you ever see that person again. So really connecting with them. I had a guy the other day, I was just trying to figure out a little bit about him and come to find out he plays a lot of golf, which we have a lot in common and just figuring out who they are and how you can connect with them. Because some people you might connect with through, you know, having three girls, some people you might connect with through uh, the same type of cars or the same type of sports team or just trying to connect any way you can. Um, if you have an older lady come in, how would you talk to your grandma? Like, how would you talk to your mom? Like, just making an experience for them that is different than anything that they've been in a cell phone shop before. Did you start off doing it that way? Not really. I mean, I did take care of people. It's just who I am. But yeah. as far as like trying to find a connection with them, not. Nah, I started training people here probably like six months in and that's when it started clicking. When you have someone sitting beside you and you're supposed to be showing them what to do, it kind of changes the way you think about things. Like when a customer walks out, Oh, I should have did this. or I should have did that. So start thinking that stuff before they get out the door. Wow. It sounds like you started getting better when you started training some people. Uh, were you mentoring them? Is that, is that what you're doing? Yes. Training them on the system and teaching them, you know, the sales process and stuff. Okay. So you were with the company for about how long before people noticed what you were doing and who you were and decided that they wanted to talk to you about leadership. How far in were you? Really a few months. I know I trained my first person like six months in, um, but you know, there wasn't a lot of people writing thank you cards. So you can tell if a person's genuinely a good person or not. And if you're taking care of your customers and you're good to the people working around you, you know, those people you kind of gravitate towards. So I think that helped a lot. People knew that I really cared about the person sitting in front of me. I was just raised that way. That's how my mom and my dad. are. So I was going to ask you where that came from, but it sounds like you grew up seeing those kinds of values and tried to operate the same way. So here you are training some people around six months in. There was a time when people decided above you, or if you want to call it above you, your leaders decided, hey, we're going to give him his own store and his own reps. About how far in was that? Um, a little over a year, sometime around that year mark. Okay. And, and so they came to you and asked if you'd like to step up. You said yes. Is, I yes. Said, and, mm -hmm. and so what was your first three months like leading people? Uh, it was different. You know, I'd never been in a leadership position. So I, I came in thinking that it's all about the numbers, and which obviously it is, but that it's all about the systematic stuff when it's, it's not. It's kind of just like the person in front of you. Like you have to connect with the people you work with just as much as you have to get all the system stuff done. So 
it, and it took a little while to figure that out. So if you had to do it all over again, it sounds like you, you've learned that you would have started differently. So what would you tell young sales leaders to do in the beginning when they got their first team? Get to know your people, uh, earn their respect, because that's a big thing. And you can't be the person barking orders if you're not willing to do the dirty work as well. I mean, lead by showing them, basically. Okay. So you would tell young sales leaders to be the example for... Yeah. Lead by example, that's that's the big thing. Let's say we have a new rep or a person has a new rep coming on board. What are some specific things you would do to get to know them? Figure out where they came from first. You know, ask them about their family. You know, find out where they're living. What's their hobbies? I mean, same thing with the customer. Um, you don't have their phone looking at it, so you don't get to see their apps and kind of figure out who they are that way. Um, you just got to ask questions. You got to let them know that you care. That's the big thing. So what's a rep look like, or all right, let me put it this way. What is a leader that isn't doing well, what are they doing that causes reps to think they don't care? Only worrying about their sales, not trying to help out, and more focused on the money than the actual people. Numbers matter, but the people that work for you matter more. If you're not connecting with people and you just come in and, you know, do your, uh, eight to three or your whatever your shift is work should be like family because we're with these people as much as we're with our family almost you know you're here seven sometimes eight sometimes nine hours a day um so it should be like a family at work it shouldn't just be about the numbers you, you can't be the guy just barking the orders all the time sounds like there could be a a balance or I'm trying to think about what you're saying and then I sure understand what you're saying, but I would think that some dynamo types listen to us right now would say, golly, that sounds a lot of relationship and not much about specifics. And I know you're not that way. Right. So yeah. how do you, how do you do both? You know, how do you, how do you do that? One-on-ones is, is a big thing. Um, Setting goals is a big thing and helping them follow up with their goals is another thing. Cause that was, that was what I learned here, you know, not working in sales before the goal setting is what really got me going as far as my sales. And once you get to the end of the month, if you're not on track to hit your goals, then you need to reset your goals because setting a new goal is going to help you at least finish strong. All right. So let's say we've got a new rep. So how do you get their first goal achievement meeting going what do, what do you do and then and then what do you do after that that shows them that you're actually focused on what you said or did in the meeting as a leader so we write out their goals and it takes a while when you get a new person to help them set their goals because they're either too low or there's not goals that are really too high but you know you, you're not going to come in here selling 100 smartphones your first month so I guess you could set them too high to where they're not obtainable. And then also, again, changing them. Like I have yearly goals, I have monthly goals, I have daily goals. And the monthly goals I have to change a lot because sometimes they're too high. And if you sit down with them in the middle of the month and they're not on track, that don't mean they can't hit their goals because they still have half a month left and they can do way better that half a month. 
you know, when you got seven days left and you got to sell 60 phones to hit your goals, then you're not going to be focused like you should be. So you have to change them. So how often do you meet with them, Matt? Depends on the rep. You know, the new people, I mean, you need to sit down with and talk to four to five times a month, probably almost every week. There's reps that's been here longer than me that work in this store. I have two former leaders working in my store, and they're both really good reps, and they both know what they're doing. We kind of talk about our goals together more than I sit down with them one-on-one. But the new reps, I mean, daily or weekly. You know, at the end of the month, it's almost daily. Do you find it's easy to work with goals with new reps? Do they understand them? Do they already have them in their life? Is it just a natural thing to have goals for new reps? Most don't. Really? Um, they have, I guess, I guess they have goals in their head, but when you write them out, you know, I want a new Rolex watch, you know, I want a new Lexus. Like they have goals like that, but as far as number goals, they don't understand how to attain them. I mean, once you start writing them out, that kind of shows you where you're at. So what's the biggest transition you've had to make? As a sales leader, what's the, what's the biggest uh, hurdle you've had to overcome? Has it been easy from the beginning? Uh, had there been any roadblocks along the way? Um, did you walk in and easily talk to veterans and young people? You'd been a rep for a period of time. You'd trained some people. But then yeah, you- that, that, was, that was probably the hardest part. You're a store lead a year in, and you're working with reps that's been here for three months. And some of them... How do you tell someone how to make more money when they're making more money than you? And that's probably the most difficult thing because I actually have two reps in here in the store now. You know, they're right there with me or they beat me every month. So how do you make them better? And one of the reps in my store, um, he led the state in um, money per hour last year. So how do you help that guy out? He's been here. He's been selling phones for twice as long as me. How do you sit him down and and get his goals going? That's a task. That's the hardest thing I struggle with is people like that. Starting with new people that are, you know, making half of what you make. That's easy. What am I doing that you're not doing? Why am I making more money than than you? Why is is such and such making more money than you? We got to figure that out. And it can be different things, you know, not bundling or not connecting with a customer. Every rep is different and every rep struggles with different issues. So the biggest thing is figuring out what they struggle with the most. And and some people don't even realize that they struggle with something. So you kind of have to just watch. The other day I had a rep, one of the best customer service reps that I've ever worked with. I mean, he takes care of everybody's like grandma, everybody's like mom, Dan. Getting through to him is sitting him down and showing him another rep's numbers over like a four month time frame, and then showing him his numbers and then saying, what is he doing that you're not doing? You're good with your customers. People come in here and ask for you more than they ask for him. Your phone's always ringing. So why is he making more money than you? And he just kind of, you know, looked at me like, I, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why. You're not asking for the referrals. You need to ask for the business. You're not offering the tablet. You're not offering the watch. When he has somebody come in the store, he's he's bringing it out every time. You know, he's getting the most from every customer in front of him, and he has a smaller customer base than you. So that's really the hardest thing is getting them to figure that out. Well, that's a great example. Uh, 
somebody that uh, was doing really good as a customer service type of rep, really taking care of people, but wasn't making the income they needed to make. And you were bold enough to do that in a way that didn't turn him off. Uh, Have you got another example of somebody who came on board and you stepped in and helped them make a better transition or increase their incomes? Can you think of another person on your team that you had that the same thing happened to? Yeah. So one of the other uh, leaders from another store, he left the company. And then when he came back, he uh, came back here and he was kind of like me. You know, when he started, he was a mid-tier rep, but very consistent, never really had a bad month. When he came on, we sit down and it's like, you know, we're buddies. We play golf together and pretty much the same thing. I sit him down and I'm like, what do I do that you don't do? Because I struggled, you know, I, I made the same amount of money as you, you know, whenever you were here with the company at first. So what do I do that's different than you? You're good with your people. You're smart. You're very relatable. So what am I doing that you're not doing? And it ended up just being the 32nd commercial. He wasn't asking for uh, referrals, wasn't, you know, making sure before the customer walked out the door, I'm your guy. You don't need to see anybody else. I want you to have the same experience every time. And he started doing that and I can't beat him now. Like (laughs) he's making more money than me every month. And it it drives me crazy. It's like they come in, they're like, yeah, uh, we're here to see Chris. I'm like, of course you are. What but a great, I, what I think a great. I beat him. He's been back for right at a year. And I think I might've beat him once or twice in the last year. Yeah. Well, that's a great testament though, to a coach helping somebody do as good as they can do. If they beat you fine, if they don't fine, but both cases, you approach the person by first of all, talking about some things they were doing really good and things that they're great at. And then you ask, how come you're not making what so-and-so is? Or why are you not doing what I'm doing in terms of income? And let them chew on that a little bit. If they could come up with it, that'd be great. But then you're able then to say, hey, it's this, this, and this. And they both took your coaching. Do you know what it is about you that causes, in those two examples for those, and one of them was a rep that had been there before, done pretty good. Why did they take your coaching? Not every leader is respected. I think it's just being relatable. I'm just one of the guys and I'm not coming to them like, you know, you got to make this amount of money. Like, let's figure out how you can make this amount of money. What can you do? The first guy we talked about, he had a customer come in with a phone issue the other day and she, you know, he fixed the issue. He's real techie, good with his customers. And he's like, "Uh, you know, if you ever need anything, I'm going to save my number in your phone. And so he saved his number in there, did everything right. She walked out the door and I looked over at him and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, there was no customers in the store. I was like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Uh, you never pulled up her account. She could have had five upgrades. Um, you know, she could have had $700 off of a phone. She couldn't have said no to, you know, we got the best promotions I've ever seen. You know, and I also used that other guy as an example again. I was like, he would have got into the account. He would have at least took a peek. So you could have just let, you know, how much ever money walk out the door. And if you give a customer the best deal they've ever got on the phone, they're going to tell other people about it. I mean, you know, you, you go to a party and, and you got a brand new phone and you're taking pictures. They're like, take our picture. Well, let me use my phone. I got a, I got the best camera out. Um, 
and and I only paid a hundred dollars for this phone. I mean, you don't think they're going to tell people about it? And he's like, he didn't think about it like that. I'm like, you did everything right. You saved your number in her phone, but that extra step, pull up the account every time. We talk about it, but then you sit in here and don't think about it every time you get the customer in front of you. You know, uh, Matt, there you go again. You you, you told you told him what he did good, but then you. You know, you're not passive. You're even if you're selling, you're watching your store, you're watching the people, you're trying to pay attention to how well they've done and what they do good, but you're also looking for how can they improve? What are they not doing that would help them get better? It sounds like the, the reps you're hiring are fairly motivated. They just need somebody to point them and somebody that will look at them and watch what they're doing and isn't afraid to say something that will make them better. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And you know, some people you can't call out in front of everybody. I mean, you can't, All right, you, tell me about you, that. Tell me about you that. pull them to the side and, you know, talk to them. Some people, if you say something in front of everybody, it, it makes them hate you. So pulling them to the side and talking to them when nobody else is around is one thing, you know, follow them out the door on their way home and, you know, say, Hey, uh, I had a customer call in and, uh, I don't, think we handle that situation right this is what we need to do next time because you know that customer is going to go and tell the next customer people talk so we need to be on our p's and q's in the store all the time pulling them to the side is is one thing not a lot of people do well in in front of like six people um six other reps i like to talk to people on the side more than i do in front of a group setting because I'm, I'm that type of person. I don't want you to call me out, you know, in front of a couple other people, like pull me to the side and talk to me. Okay. So you've got a team or a couple of teams doing really good. So what does really good mean relative to everybody else around you? What Go ahead and crow a little bit. How, how well is your team doing? My store was, we were up 34%. And another store, uh, the Burlington store, which is two stores down from us, we're all on the same team. Um, they were just above that, like another 4%. They led the state. We were number two in the state. And our district was the number one district. And we've been the number one district this year as well. And it's it's all about, I mean, we, we are a real big family. And uh, what I do sometimes is, you know, I go work other districts. I've learned so much as a leader by going and working at another store. And, you know, somebody wants my shift, you're more than welcome to have it. I'll go somewhere else and work. And I've learned from um, leaders in other markets. I get on a lot of calls as well. So, like, we have a junior dealer call uh, where these reps come in in the first three months. They're in a junior dealer program where uh, two of the best leaders in the whole market keep track of those guys. And they have a call every Friday. I jump on that call. I don't have to be on it. But I learn more from those new people. Then I do it from the people I work with every day because they come in and they're all fired up and, you know, they might be struggling with something and I listen to how they fix whatever they're struggling with. And it helps me with my team and how to help them. And then I also learn stuff from, you know, I get fired up on some of those calls. I come in on a Friday after one of those calls and I mean, everybody in front of me is getting something. So I try to learn as much as I can from other people. Wow. Anybody can teach you. I mean, uh, you know, a new person can teach you just as much as somebody who's been here for 12 months. I mean, for 12 years. Now, I don't hear that very often where 
a leader is uh, actually letting their shift go with their own people and trying to get off with another group just so you can hear new ideas and new ways of doing things and uh, getting on to calls that you didn't have to get on and listening to those as well, then getting pumped up and coming back to your people with something new that you know is working. Uh, that's a way actually to keep yourself motivated, but also for you to learn new things that will help your people. And that's why you're doing it too, right? That's why you're oh, doing yeah. I learned so much from that. And then I didn't work any shows this year, but I worked a lot of shows every other year I've been with the company, you know, the state fair, um, couple home shows, the Christmas show, you know, there's a lot of good reps that work these shows and being with different people in different areas. Um, you can learn a lot and, you know, they might have some trick for the system. You might see them talk to a customer a certain way, like anything I can learn and bring back. I mean, that helps everybody. You learn more from watching another rep talk to a customer, good and bad. Sometimes I pick up things and it works and I use it for a while until it don't work and try to find something else. And also being in the other stores, watching leaders, you know, I might not agree with some things they do, but then some other things I, I do learn from. You can learn from anybody. I'm sure people say, you know, why isn't he in his store? Um, but that's all right with me. It doesn't bother me. Um, I have fun. It's like a vacation day. <laughs> Not all vacation. You're working. Yeah. You're trying to figure yeah. out things. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking for an idea. You're So let me see if I can sum up a bunch of things that you've said. If I was a new rep, you would get me to set goals. You would learn a little bit about me and about my motivations and try to teach me how to make more money. You would stay with me if I'm a new rep because uh, I'm new and, and maybe the older reps you don't touch as often. You would know whether or not to pull me aside or not because some people, you know, you would be sensitive to whether or not I could take it in front of other people. In some respects, I see you treating people the way you treat your customers, that, you know, you kind of get to know them, you kind of connect with them, your family, with your reps, but you also keep a leadership position because you may be pointing out some things that a rep is doing good, but then you'll look at them and say, well, why aren't you making the money that such and such is making? And if they can't answer, then you'll tell them what you see. And you're watching all the time. You're watching. You're watching them. You may be looking out of the corner of your eye while you're in your own cell trying to hear how they're doing. And if they didn't or did open up an account or do their 30 second commercial or whatever you think might be missing. You're watching for those pieces in the sales process that they could um, put into their world and, and then make more money because of it and also make the customer happier because I don't hear you try to hurt the customer at all. If anything, it's the opposite. You want high customer satisfaction scores and, and you want them to make a lot of money too, kind of in both hands. And I heard the word fun and family, two Fs there, fun and family. What am I missing that, that you've said so far? My store actually got an award for uh, best customer experience too. And that comes from the customer. So, you know, that's probably the best award I've ever won here. Just because the customers, you know, those are off of surveys. Customers don't lie. Like when they get sent a survey, most of the time, you know, they send 10 surveys out. It's the angry customer that's going to fill it out. The one that just had a blah experience isn't going to take time. They're just going to click off or delete it. 
that's probably my most proud thing since I've been here. And I've won, you know, MVP. I've won um, a couple of awards. I finished top 20 in sales last year at personal um, in the state. I think I was like 17th. But we're here for the customers at the end of the day. Those are the people that really write our paychecks. So that's probably my most proud thing. And that's, I want to win that award again, because if we're doing that, we're doing everything right. You know, the people listening probably don't know that 17th out of 400 or so reps is, is what 17th means. But what would you say to sales leaders that looked at you and said, are you kidding me? Customer service? I mean, I'm out to get make some money. I'm out to, to get all the money I can get today. And And what's this customer service? I mean, what's this all about? I mean, how's that going to help me make more money? What would you say to them? So it's funny because I had a, one of the top reps in my store, he finished 19th and I'm always, you know, giving him a hard time because that's just the type of person he is. So I'm always nudging him and we were neck and neck all year and we both take a lot of vacation, but, uh, he's more of a get what's in front of me rep. He, he, you know, he's a good customer service rep too. You know, I was ribbing him the other day and I was like, well, I work less than you. He's like, we work about the same. And I'm like, well, no, no, I'm in the store, you know, hanging out, having fun. And you know, you're, you're pounding that door. I'm not worried about the door. I'm, I'm worried about my referrals and following up with my people. And, uh, so you're working harder than me. Like (laughs) my people call me, like you're the one worried about that door swing. I don't care if it's busy this week, I'm going to sell some phones either way. And I think just, you know, ribbing him kind of made him think about, well, maybe I am working a little bit harder than him. <laughs> so I get through to him a little bit different than I do to one of the bottom tier reps. There's just, everybody's different. So, now, Matt, what's the total number of people that you're leading? How many sales reps do you, are you leading? Right now we have 10 and we need about 13. We got two coming on. So we're, we're about where we need to be. So is this guy that you're talking about, is he, is he leading sales reps? Is he leading 10 sales reps himself? He's not, is he? (laughs) You're leading, you're leading 10 sales reps. Uh, You take vacations like him. You aren't having to pound everybody walking through the door and you were 17th, right? (laughs) I think you're doing a lot. You're not giving yourself full credit for the amount of work that you do that it's got to do with leadership. And yet you're, you're making uh, the sales to be 17th in your state. Great job, buddy. Great job. Obviously, all that repeat business and referrals is coming toward you and not toward some people is the point, right? And they may be selling well and may have some okay customer service skills, but yours are at a level now over the six-year period that you've got 40% of your business coming from repeat business. What if, Matt, what if all of your reps had the same amount of repeat business you do? How much would that increase income? Um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, make a guess about how much. 15, 20% maybe. I guess it depends on, you know, so a lot of the people that come into the store are going to come into the store no matter what when they need a phone. It's getting those people that don't come in the store, getting those people that buy online and uh, don't get the same experience. You know, so my, I, my question is, as, as your entire team is a work in progress, just like you were, okay, you, you've grown over time, just you told me that. You're an extreme farmer, and you begin to get better and better at, 
at these things, you know, the $2, the writing the notes, the 30 second commercials, um, treating people uh, with in a connective way when they come in and, and rather than just a, a dollar figure, you're trying to connect with them. I mean, you grew at all this because you were in the print shop. If your people continue to grow and they got the same amount of repeat business and referrals that you do, in other words, 40% of their business is that, how much more money would your team make? A lot more money. I don't have a number for that. I will say we have over the last year and a half, we're growing in every category. We're growing in money. We're growing in handsets. There's not a category that we're not, you know, going up. That is, that is really great. And listen, buddy, I've taken a a whole bunch of your time today and you could be out there on another phone call trying to find another tip to help your people. So I guess to finish this up, I'm going to ask this question. You got a bunch of sales leaders listening to this. And if you had one thing that you wanted to leave with them every day, this is it right here. Every day, this is it right here. What would it be? Attitude is really big. Um, Have fun. You're going to be with these people. You're going to be in the store. This is your job. Don't just come in, clock in and, and go on to the next thing. Lead by example and track your performance, know where you're at, but the attitude's a big thing. If you come into a store and you have somebody that's just blah and doesn't, you know, don't really care. They're waiting to get off in two hours. You don't have an experience. And if you come in and somebody's upbeat and has an attitude and you can tell they actually really want to help you, that changes the environment. People feed off attitude. That's the number one thing that I always try to focus on. And everybody has bad days. So attitude's my my number one and treat everybody like mom care about the person in front of you. Well, I think some of your attitude uh, occurred when your bride, Amy said, if you want to have the number two daughter, you're going to have to make more money. <laughs> and then yeah. Hayden turned into Hensley and Hensley turned into Hadley. <laughs> yeah. And you've got three now. <laughs> and I know you're, you're making a ton more money than you were before. And you're also helping other people do that without sacrificing service, because I know that when you go home, based on what I've learned about you, you want to be a good dad and a good husband and take that same attitude home that you bring to work. I know it's not easy. It's not easy to have. I mean, sometimes we don't feel like it at all, but I want to thank you for being that kind of a leader, somebody who leads by example the kind of attitude to have and the behaviors that back that up because we just in America, actually it'd be good. We had leaders everywhere that, yeah, we want to make the numbers, but we want to treat people well too. So thanks a lot for being that kind of guy, Matt. Yeah. I want to work less and make more, but uh, (laughs) there's only one way to do that. And that's for your phone to ring off the hook. So that's the ultimate goal. And and for people to want to buy from you again and again, 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 well, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and uh, get out there and continue to make things happen for your people. All right. Thank you, Lance. Yes, sir. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.